0: Well, you made it to the Christmas Eve service in one piece. Congratulations. You know, I think a lot of us have, at least I do, a kind of a conflicted view of technology. There's a lot of technology I like, there's a lot of technology I'm not so sure about yet. Like the whole phenomenon of self-driving cars. You know, they're testing these things out in Arizona and in California. I don't know about that quite yet. Saw a story recently about some passengers that got aboard a, a flight recently. And when they got on the flight, the announcement came over, the loudspeaker. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to Flight 101. This is our very first self automated flight. There are no pilots and no co-pilots. This flight is run entirely by artificial intelligence. But let me rest assured, you have absolutely nothing to worry about, worry about, worry about. So, as we are seated here on Christmas Eve day, we have a lot to worry about. Just your typical Christmas Eve day worries. Did I get everybody the right gift? Did I forget anybody? Is everything ready for the dinner? Did I get forget any person? Did I forget the right thing? You have all these things and worries that are going through your mind, just kind of Christmas Eve typical worries. And then if we can pause a little bit and get quiet during this hectic holiday season, sometimes we begin to think about our real worries. Our existential worries and fears about family and and finances and about loss and about loneliness that hits us hard during the holiday season. You know, I guess on some level, on that very first Christmas, that young couple, Mary and Joseph, had to be worried. They had to be afraid of so much that was coming down upon them. I mean, the... Rumors and the gossip surrounding the whole pregnancy, trying to find a place to have their first baby, wondering, do they have what it takes to be a mom and dad? This is the first time they'd experienced that. And then they had the 24-7 real-world reality of living under a tyrannical, oppressive government known as the Roman Empire. These Roman leaders lived in absolute luxury while most people, especially the Jewish people, peasants like Mary and Joseph, languished in poverty. They could show up your house and capriciously raise your taxes, throw you in jail, or if you did the wrong thing or said the wrong thing, have you executed. That was the heavy hand that they were born into. That was the reality of their life. Some of you, some people in our congregation here have grown up in a type of tyrannical communistic dictatorship. And you know what it's like because you've lived through it. I think about the country of Romania, an Eastern Bloc country that for 24 years lived under a very cruel dictatorship. Free speech was absolutely abolished. You had to get in line with what this particular leader was saying. If not, you were thrown to the gulags or you were executed. That was simply the reality. For 24 years, the Romanian people put up with this, listened to his speeches, had to nod their head yes to his propaganda. Until 1989, the Great Revolution occurred and the people stormed the palace that this guy lived in. He was living like a multi-multi-billionaire while most of the people in the country were just eating boiled cabbage daily. But they stormed the palace, took out all of his personal things, threw them on the streets, spat upon them, burned them. It was like they were saying, you know what? This guy was never one of us. It's almost like they were listening to his speeches all these years and they were saying, you know, he doesn't live like we live. He doesn't suffer like we suffer. He is simply not one of us. And sometimes in life, we go through seasons in our life where we feel like the same way about God. We're like, God is the the man upstairs who never comes downstairs. God is some cosmic force God is some deity that may or may not exist, and he kind of watches over things that are happening on the planet Earth. I mean, he sees the suffering and hears a cry, but he doesn't suffer himself. He doesn't cry himself. He is not one of us. Well, Christmas changes all of that. Christmas can be summarized in three words God with us. Time, lessness, enters into time. The Creator enters into the creation. The infinite enters into the finite. The Word becomes flesh. Christmas is God with us. But to go even deeper with that, it really means that God has become one of us in this magical, supernatural moment in time, space, history. God is not remote, God is not far away, but God so loves us, he so loves mankind, He was willing to identify us by entering into this very world. Atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell distinguishes between two types of knowledge there's a knowledge of description and a knowledge of acquaintance. I have a knowledge of description of what it's like to climb Mount Everest. I can describe to you through other people about what it like, what it feels like, how to prepare to climb this great mountain, but it's a knowledge by description, not a knowledge by acquaintance. I've never climbed that mountain. How about God? Does God have a knowledge by description or a knowledge by acquaintance? Christmas tells us, that God has a knowledge by acquaintance. He has a first-hand knowledge. Let's think about this from a Texas perspective, if we can. The baby was born in a barn. Now, I don't ride a horse or anything like that. Maybe some of you do, but we all know what a barn is like. We all know what a barn smells like, what a barn sounds like. And that's how God chose to enter in the world. That's how God chose to send his son, his reality in the world is to be born in a barn. That's crazy, isn't it? I wouldn't have done that. I would have done the you know, the Steve Harvey introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, here we have the Son of God, the reigning King of kings, all the way. From. I would have done that type of announcement. God didn't do it that way. I would have been, I would have been more American and more efficient. Think about it. 33 years, 30 years in complete obscurity. No one knows who Yeshua Christ, Jesus Christ is. 30 years of obscurity, three more years, 33 years. I would have sent Christ to earth on a Friday, had him executed Friday, raised him from the dead on Sunday, home in heaven by Sunday nights. Not got this salvation thing in a weekend, right? Not God. God chose to enter into our world as a baby, in a manger, in an obscure part of of the world underneath the tyrannical heavy hand of a Roman dictator and leader, to, to grow up, to go to school, to get a job, to work hard, to sweat, to go to weddings and funerals, to suffer with his people. That's how God chose to do it. Why? Why did he choose that? It's so that we could identify with him. So he could identify with us. He became one of us in Christ. So we understands. Pain. He understands. Persecution and and betrayal, he understands. He understands. You may say, well, no one gets me. No one understands what I've been through. Christ has been through it all for us so that we could identify with him. God knows, God relates, God can empathize with us. Christmas. Christmas is where our worry and fear must give way to wonder and faith. If we can hear him speak to us. He spoke to Mary in Luke 1. He said, Mary, don't worry. Do not be afraid. He spoke to Joseph. Joseph, don't worry. Do not be afraid. He spoke to the shepherds. Don't be afraid. Good tidings, great joy. God is doing something amazing in your midst. Christmas. It's where God becomes one of us, enters the world through a baby and a barn and a manger. From the cradle to the cross to the crescendo of the resurrection on Easter to bring us back to Him. And so when we hit our knees, whether it's on a Christmas Eve day or in any day of the week, we know. We have a God who relates, who understands, who empathizes with us. So we give him our worries and fears and he creates that sense of worship and wonder and faith. Think about a story by a guy named Norman Banks back in 1937. He was a radio announcer in Melbourne, Australia. And as he was in his office, he heard the sound of one person singing Christmas carols down in the town square. So he got up and went down and he saw an elderly lady and she had a candle and she was just singing these Christmas carols like we did earlier, just joyously to the Lord. And so, Norman got to know her a little bit and started asking her questions. And this elderly lady said, this is my very last Christmas Eve. But I'm so full of joy and I just want to sing these carols. So he went back up into his office, went back on the radio and invited his listeners to come down to the square in the town there in Melbourne and to sing carols by candlelight. Now as Normans passed on and decades have unwinded. Some 300,000 people gather in Melbourne every Christmas Eve to light candles and to sing carols unto the Lord. And their worries and fears give way to wonder and faith.